We are a people of um, the Spirit. We believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we love the Spirit's presence. And we call on the name of Jesus that we, week by week, would be filled again. We're also people of the Word. We love the Word of God. It contains the best news anyone could ever hear. And uh, over these morning services, we've been um, looking through John's Gospel, uh, one, of, uh, one of the Gospels, the l- l- sort of last Gospel to be written, John, who uh, was exiled, wrote this Gospel. And he tells within it the story of the new creation in Christ. He says it at the very beginning, in the beginning was the word. He begins with that, a direct echo from Genesis, in the beginning, and he says Jesus was there in the very beginning with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. But he tells us of the great mission that Jesus came to to renew the world, to bring the kingdom of God. And John is one who says the kingdom of God is here. It's right near within reach of any of us, uh, our After Alpha group of going through a book called uh, The Purpose Driven Life, and I was just struck again by one of the things that Rick Warren says in that book, you are as close to God as you want to be, because he's not hiding from you, he's not run away from you, you are as close to God as you want to be, it's quite a challenge, isn't it? I want to be close to God. Kingdom of God is near at hand. Kingdom of God is coming. It's not here fully. We, we recognize that. We look around our world. We see the kingdom of God is not here fully. But it's coming. And it comes day by day. It's advancing day by day. When anyone puts their trust in Jesus, the kingdom advances. Whenever we see glimpses of God's glory, the kingdom advances. And John is looking for that day when Jesus will fulfill his promise that he will come again in all his glory. And so he writes this gospel so that we may believe in Jesus or that we may continue to believe in Jesus. And as we've worked through it, we've seen all the things that Jesus did and the things that he said, and I would encourage you to go back and and read it again and again and again. But from chapter 13 onwards, Uh, There is a change in the gospel as John begins to record the things that Jesus said and taught his disciples. The public ministry was over. He wasn't among the crowds anymore. And he was spending time with his disciples, preparing them for his departure. He's going to leave them. He prepares them for what will happen to him. He teaches them and he equips them for the mission ahead, because he is going to send them into the world. He says, as the Father sends me, so I send you. And we as followers of Jesus hear that again as Jesus sends us into the world. But he promises that he would always be with us. And so we pick up uh, in chapter 14, just some verses I was going to skip on to chapter 15 and the vine and the branches, but I just uh, felt there was a couple of things just in these last verses of chapter 14 that uh, the Lord wanted to minister to us. 
So picking up in uh, chapter 14, verse 22. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? We thought a little bit about this last week. Jesus, why don't you just hang around? Don't depart. Don't leave. Go on the world tour. We'll, we'll follow you wherever you go, but just don't go. Show yourself to the world. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You've heard me say I'm going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak to you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father, and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. And those final just words give us the impression that these are words spoken by Jesus in the upper room before they head out to Gethsemane. Before. So John records some of the most extended discourses of Jesus, that they're omitted from uh, the other Gospels. And John, I think, assumes, because he's writing this Gospel much later, he's assuming that the disciples who are following Jesus now, you and I, have read the other Gospels. He doesn't have to do that again. He doesn't have to go over the details again of those Gospels, because there's much more detail in John's Gospel of what Jesus said. And we're going to focus on some of those things. Let's just pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And it is so precious to us. Because when we read it, we hear your voice. And we see you. And we pray this morning that not only would we hear your voice and see you, but we would enter into the promises that you give. And enter into the commands that you give and the commission that you give. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know what you've got planned for this afternoon. What's your Sunday afternoon like? It's uh, sometimes family time, depending at what stage of family life you're at. Maybe it's time to visit family. Maybe it's time to play with the kids. Maybe it's, I always remember it was football time Sunday afternoon when I was growing up. Maybe it's Miss Marple time for you. Maybe it's, uh, maybe for some of us it's become snooze time. Ah, oh, isn't that lovely? Just now and again. In recent weeks, for us, it's been watching Bond movies. Hermie's a great Bond fan. I think she's got a crush on Sean Connery. 
Oh, you're okay. And uh, they've been showing the old ones, the really old ones, and they're really great. I love the new ones. I love the Daniel Craig ones. I mean, they're more Bornish than Bond, if you understand what I mean, but they're really good. Don't worry if you don't understand what I mean. But the old ones are really fun as well. And uh, James Bond, in these old ones especially, is quintessentially British, and often ridiculously so. In one of my favorite ones is from Russia with Love. And there's a scene when he knows that this agent that he's met cannot possibly be British because when they go for a meal, he orders red wine instead of white when they have fish. Isn't that brilliant? (laughs) He cannot be British. He must be a, a Russian agent because he's ordered red wine with his fish. It's fantastic. And before every mission... He's given by Q Branch a sort of a set of equipment, you know, in a briefcase or something. And they're brilliant, especially, again, the older ones. They're just fantastic. Like the gadgets that he's given talcum powder, which is a tear gas canister. I mean, how many of us carry talcum powder? It's a tear gas canister. And the, the, the pen that is a, is a kind of mini rocket, you know, if you press it a certain amount of times. Got to be careful with that. A wristwatch that's equipped with laser beams. You see, the equipment he's given is to to help him save the world. What on earth has that got to do, thank you, with John's gospel? There's an element that I read in this when Jesus is preparing his disciples for the mission. See, that's what he's doing. He's preparing them for his departure, but he's also preparing them for the mission. And you and I are on the same mission. And as he prepares them, he begins to equip them. They may not know it right then and there, but as they look back, when the Holy Spirit reminds them, they look back and say, this is the equipment that God has given us for the mission. To save the world in his name. As I've said earlier, John's gospel is very different from the earlier gospel. He has no cursing of the fig tree, no final symbolic cleansing of the temple, not even the Last Supper. It's recorded in John's gospel. No end time prophecies. John assumes the believers have read these or heard these. But he gives to us so far unrecording teachings of Jesus in the days before his death. There in the upper room. He's preparing his disciples for the mission ahead, preparing them for his departure. And he says, you would be glad that I'm going away. No, no. (laughs) Yes, you will. If you love me, you'll be glad that I'm going away. But I will be always with you. That's wonderful promise of Jesus. That illustration from the Bond films about the equipment for the mission These are some of the equipment that Jesus has already given them in the last few chapters. He has taught them that humility is one of the equipment for the mission. Humility. He humbled himself, took a towel around himself and started washing his disciples' feet. When's the last time you washed someone's feet? Maybe with children. And he humbles himself in that way. And he says, 
Learn from me. I mean, if we were to say, Jesus, what equipment should we have for the, for the mission? You, we want something a bit more dramatic. You know, a few gadgets. So humility. Be humble. Serve one another. It's being like Jesus, isn't it? There is no more powerful weapon in this mission that we're on for Jesus than being more like Jesus. Because if we're more like Jesus every day, then we will have an impact wherever we are. There's obedience. Jesus talks again and again and again of him being obedient to the Father's plan and purpose. He fulfilled the Father's mission. He spoke the things that the Father gave him to speak. He was completely obedient. And again and again in John's gospel, seemingly in throwaway comments, he just says, if you, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And he says of the world, the world does not obey my commands because they don't love me. And we understand that. If we live in a world that doesn't love Jesus, we cannot expect the world to obey his commands. But we, who love Jesus, love to obey him. It's the key to discipleship, obedience. It's not just belief. I believe in Jesus, but I do what I want. I call him Lord, but on my terms. No. If we love Jesus, we will seek to be obedient. There is a sharp distinction, and there will be, between a world that doesn't love Jesus and a church that loves Jesus. And it will show up more and more and more. It's a key to the mission, obedience. If Jesus has a church that is obedient to his word, reliant on his spirit, that's unstoppable. It's why the battle is so strong. Why the whole of hell comes against the church of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has sent us into the world. The other equipment is, oh, this is brilliant, the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you. We covered that a little bit. Before, I will not leave you as orphans. You won't be lost without a parent. I will be with you. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us. If we believe in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. You cannot say Jesus is Lord and not have the Holy Spirit, but we can have more of him. We can be filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit, and we need to want that. And it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live. For Jesus, empowers us to witness for Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who will teach us, remind us, lead us deeper in deeper into the truth of God. Then there's the gospel. All that Jesus has been doing, all that he places within his disciples, he will commission them to take to a lost and broken world. 
we carry that. Each one of us, if we're believers, we carry the gospel, the good news of Jesus in our hearts. It is to be given away as best we can, as much as we can. The best news anyone will ever hear. Even if they don't want to hear it. Even if they're not quite ready yet to hear it. We have a responsibility to share it. At least the hope that we have. The hope that we have. For God so loved the world that he loved. And that Jesus came to die for our sins. That we have been rescued, forgiven, restored, and we have eternal life as a gift. These are just the basics of the gospel. And it should be so near the surface in our lives, the gospel. That people who encounter us encounter the gospel. Not just a compartment of our lives. Imagine our lives without the gospel, without the good news of Jesus. We're to give it away. The power of God. We are equipped with the Holy Spirit. Even greater things, Jesus said, those who follow him would do. And just on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, there were healings, there were 3,000 saved. The gospel was on the run. And it ran from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. The other bit of equipment we've got in our briefcase is prayer. Jesus says, ask in my name. Ask in my name. He gives amazing promises about prayer. And it's so important that we get hold of it. Who do we pray for? What do we pray for? Are we praying? Calling on his name. And then peace. He mentions peace in this passage. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And as I was reading through this passage, and, and there was so much, I was thinking, gosh, I don't really know what to speak about. And the Lord said, peace. Because many of us are troubled. Many of us are bound with fear. Maybe not for ourselves, but for others. And we need to hear Jesus' voice directly into that. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. It's amazing that this is a piece of the equipment, isn't it? Peace. Peace of God is part of the mission equipment. But it is. It's so vital. Do you need peace? Are your hearts troubled? This peace, says Jesus, is something the world knows nothing about. I don't give you as the world gives. When the world thinks about peace, it's a very different kind of peace. It's the absence of trouble, the absence of war. The peace of God is very different. 
Now, there are times in our lives, I would guess, for all of us, when things don't appear to make discernible sense. Have you ever experienced that in your life? When things don't appear to make discernible sense, and you are tempted to say, what's going on? There are times maybe in our lives when the vastness of the universe, however impressive, sometimes oppresses us. Because it's overwhelming. And how can the God who made all that know me personally and love me and walk with me? Well, we're persuaded that he loves everybody else. But me. Or when the seemingly impersonal cycle of nature evidences no master plan. And the story of humanity rolls on generation after generation without apparent meaning at the heart of it. Or in our own personal lives, when unexpected happenings break in, sometimes cruelly. And in such times, we cry out from troubled hearts. And none of us are immune. And Jesus speaks. He speaks into troubled hearts. He does so again and again and again. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My peace I give to you. It's a gift. And it has to be received. A few days later from Jesus saying this, there will be chaos. Among the disciples, there will be chaos. Jesus will be arrested. They'll all run away. Some will follow at a distance. Jesus will be tortured. And then he'll be crucified. And it makes no sense at all. In the moment. Yet we know. We are on the other side of the cross, the other side of Pentecost. We look back and we say, we know why Jesus died. He died for me. He died for you. He took on our sin when he died on the cross. There was a divine exchange. And he gives us life and life forevermore. This is the gospel. We know it. But in the moment, imagine the disciples saying, this has gone completely wrong. And when those moments come in our lives, even now and when we're tempted to say, this has gone completely wrong. Jesus comes and he says, my peace, I give you, I leave with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. The peace the world doesn't understand, as Paul says in Philippians. The world doesn't understand this peace. It can never fathom this peace. Because the peace of Christ comes no matter the circumstances. The gift of peace from Jesus comes to us is a gift no matter the circumstances. And we can't get our heads around that, can we? How can we have peace in the midst of that? Because... His peace is greater. 
It's the peace of his presence. I am with you. It's the peace of victory that is assured. No experience of life can ever rob us of the love of God. Nothing can. No danger, no sorrow, no suffering. Because the peace of God transcends all those things. Because it is the holding on to the promises of God. It is the trusting in the midst of the chaos. In the midst of I don't know what's going on, it's the trusting. It's where the enemy really loves to get in. To disciples of Jesus' lives. You can't trust God in that. Look what's happened. Where is God now? He's allowed that. Where's your faith? Because you're rubbish. Devil loves that one. Because he knows that sometimes the people of God go, that's right. No, it's not right. It's a lie from the very pit of hell. You are loved by the Heavenly Father. Jesus died for you. That is how precious you are. You are a child of the living God. Nothing, no power of hell or anything can rob you. When the enemy comes with his lies, you send him packing. Because Jesus has promised peace. Not absence of trouble, not absence of suffering, but peace. The shalom of God. It is the peace that says, it is all right with my soul. Because I am not dependent on faith in God, on the circumstances of my life. If I was like that, I'd be a Christian one day, a Christian not one day. In any given week, I'll have renounced my faith three times and renewed it three times. Just in time for Sunday. Our faith is not built on that. Stands on Jesus, who was crucified. That in the midst of unspeakable, unimaginable suffering, Jesus said, forgive them. We are in a battle. But Jesus has equipped us for the battle. You feel sometimes you're just holding on. You're just getting through life. Not alone the mission that God's called us to. I'm just hanging on. Well, you're on the mission, hanging on. Don't separate the two. Wherever you are, if you're hanging on, you're doing really well. Be encouraged. You're hanging on to Jesus. It's a peace that comes from a living relationship with Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. Whom we await. He's coming again. Make no mistake. He's coming again. And he is going to put all things right. He is coming. It's on the agenda. The time is set. We are nearer it today than we were yesterday. Praise God. And all that we go through. He knows. And he promises his peace 
in the midst. This peace is a gift supplied by the Holy Spirit to troubled hearts who need his peace. Getting to that place of trusting no matter what. One of the lines of the song that Sally taught us earlier, he has never failed and he won't start now. Imagine, he has never failed and he won't start now and he won't start with you. No, we can't understand everything. But we hold on to faith. The place of trust. It's the place of faith. And the disciples who Jesus says this to, their courage and confidence will be sustained. And so will ours. Because it's a promise of Jesus. This is a gift of Jesus. So today, do you need his peace? Is your heart troubled? Then come. This word is for you this morning. Receive his peace. It's a gift. He will not leave you. And in the midst of the stuff that goes on, you can know peace. Will you trust him? Ah. Knew there was a catch. Will you trust him? Will you trust him with that that you're carrying right now? Will you trust him with that person that you're carrying right now? Will you trust him with that situation? Will you trust him? This is a prayer of blessing I want to pray over us all. As uh, Sally and the band come back. Let me just pray this over all of us, including myself. It's a shalom blessing. May you be whole in body, soul, and spirit as a result of being in harmony with the Father's will and purpose for your life. May the peace of Christ be your covering. May your heart know his fullness. And by his mighty power, may you know victory over every enemy. May he bring to pass the deepest desires of your heart May you know the presence of the Holy Spirit and his healing power. Through his sufficiency, may every need that you face be met by his limitless resources. May his covenant promises be fulfilled in your life and in your family. May he bring you the greatest measure of contentment and the deepest satisfaction that your heart can possibly know as you trust him. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will apply that blessing to our hearts. And for anyone who has come this morning without peace, with a troubled heart, Jesus says, my peace I give to you.
Holy Spirit, may the peace of Christ fill this place right now. And will you begin to minister that peace into troubled hearts? For the sake of the gospel. That as we leave this place, we go and live out with the equipment that you've given us. On the mission that you've sent us to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.